Hello, and thank you for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this disc, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit riveroflifefl.com. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Dr. Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. What a privilege and honor it is to be with you today. If you will, please take just a moment and find your Bible. And then in your Bible, find John the 8th chapter. John the 8th chapter. Thank you, my brother. They put this up here. I don't drink while I'm preaching because it makes everybody thirsty. But I have had the habit of throwing it at people that go to sleep. So, fair warning, all right? John the 8th chapter is one of the most unique chapters in all of your Bible to me. It begins with a wonderful story of a woman who's been taken in the very act of adultery. She is brought to Jesus. Jesus is in the temple of all places. He's in church. There in the teaching, they bring him, uh, bring her, uh, they cast her at his feet. And uh, they say unto him, Lord, Moses in the law said that this woman deserves to be stoned. But what sayest thou? The King James said that they said it that way in order to tempt him or to trick him or to find something that they might use as an accusation against him. Rather than answering, Jesus knelt down and began to write in the sand. We, we don't know what he wrote. The songwriters tells us that he was writing love letters in the sand. Boy, that's a good sentiment, amen? Uh, I personally believe he was writing their sins. You see, Jesus Christ knows what's in every man. John 2.25, the Word of God said, He needeth not that any would testify of man, because he knows what's in man. He knew what was in their heart. And he knew what they had been trying to hide. And by the way, he knows what's in your heart this morning. And so the Bible says that Jesus stood and looked at them and said, You who is without sin, you cast the first stone. And then he stooped back down and began to write in the sand again. From the eldest to the youngest, they probably dropped their rocks. And they went away until there was nobody there but Jesus and the woman. And Jesus looked at her and said, woman, where are thine accusers? And I believe for the very first time. You know how embarrassed she must have been. They have drug her out of an adulterous affair in the very act. Into the temple of all places. And threw her at the master's feet. I can see her with her head down weeping, can't you? And now for the first time she looks up. Total amazement. No one, Lord. And Jesus Christ, probably the greatest words of mercy and grace that are found written anywhere in all of literature, says, neither do I condemn thee. But that's not enough. Go and sin no more. What an amazing, amazing story. If you skip all the way to the end of the chapter... The scribes and the Pharisees have come back to where Jesus is at, and they begin to ask him some questions, and Jesus Christ begins to give some dialogue, and then they pick up stones. They want to stone Jesus. So it starts with a woman almost getting stoned, and and it ends with Jesus almost getting stoned. Why, Why did they get so mad? What in the world could a preacher say to anybody that would make them mad? I think I found the answer. 
You've got your Bible? John chapter number 8. And there in verse number 21. Now understand, this is Jesus. This is the one who knows all things. And Jesus said unto them again, I say unto them, I go my way, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then he said, the Jews unto them, will he kill himself because he saith, whether I go, thou cannot come? Verse 23, and he said unto them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Verse 24, I said therefore unto you that you will die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sin. Father God, I'm praying in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your free liberty. Walk up and down every aisle. Move and touch every heart. Lord God, help us to see today as you see and convict our heart as only you can. And Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Of all of the things that could happen to a person, cancer, losing a child in an automobile accident, losing all of your fortune, losing your home, your job, of all of the things that can happen to a man, I submit unto you that there is nothing as bad as dying in your sin. And the reason that it's so bad is because of all that God has done to keep it from happening. Well did Simon Peter write in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, when he made this statement, he says, The Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should die, but that all should come into repentance. That's the Word of God. When you begin to look at what God has done to keep you from dying in your sins, you begin to understand the weight of the statement that Jesus made, not once, not twice, but three times. Do you understand this morning that God loves you? Wow. He loves you so much. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, the Word of God teaches us that God in His essence is love. God is love. And for you to, find, to, to get God to act any way in opposition to His love is to force God's hand to do that. In fact, the Word of God teaches us in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 that, that God commended His love toward us. God gave His love. God sent forth His love toward us. Listen, and that while we were yet sinners, he didn't wait for us to turn over a new leaf. He didn't wait for us to get better. He said, I'm going to love you even if you never love me. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God loved you so much. He loved me so much. He saw me in all of my sin. The writer Ezekiel said in chapter 16, he said, when he walked by us, he saw us polluted in our own blood. And so he sent his son to die on the cross to die as a sacrifice for my sin. 
And if that wasn't enough, not only did God love us, and not only did God send his son to die on the cross for us, but the word of God says that God then sent the Holy Spirit to come and convict the world, John chapter number 16, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. You, you can't just get saved when you want to. I had a fellow make that statement one time. He said, preacher, he said, well, I'll get saved when I get ready. No, you won't. John 6, the word of God says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. How is he drawn? He's drawn by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God. And then, if it wasn't enough that God loved you and gave his son to die for you and sent the Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin, God made it easier for you to be saved. Isn't that great? In fact, God did not leave it up to you at all. He knew that if I had anything to do with it, I'd mess it up. And so the word of God says that God, for by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, least any man should boast. And if, and if that wasn't enough, God preserved his word for us. Do you realize that we're the greatest generation as far as the preserving of the Word of God is that has ever lived upon the face of the earth? You and I can literally go to any place and buy a Bible. And most of the places, if, if you can't afford one, they'll give you one. I was interested to read this last week that, that through the ministry of River of Life Church, over 25,000 Bibles have been sent to the mission field. Thank God for His Word. And if that wasn't enough, it wasn't, if it wasn't enough that God loved you and God sent his son to die for you and then sent the Holy Spirit of God to convict you and then made it easy for you to be saved and then gave you his precious word for you to read every day of your life, God called preachers. Romans chapter number 10, the word of God says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they've been called or sent? I'm thanking God that we have got a God-called preacher in Pastor Henry Jones. Amen? Yes. Yes. Don't wait till somebody dies to give them their flowers. Give them to, if they're, if they're affecting your life, do it now. Amen. So when you understand that God loved you in spite of you, that God sent his son to die for you, that God sent his Holy Spirit to convict you and draw you to be saved, that God, that God made it easy for you to be saved, that, that God preserved his word for you so you'd know how to be saved, that God called preachers to preach to you so you could be saved. When you began to understand all that God has done, to keep it from happening. That makes this statement in John 8.21 and John 8.24 what I believe to be the most horrific statement in all of the Bible. It brings forth a question. After all that God has done, why would any man, why would any woman, why would any boy or girl of the age of accountability die in their sin. Our text renders three reasons. You've got it there in front of you. John chapter 8 and 
verse number 24. I said unto you that you shall die in your sins. Here's the first one. For you believe not in me. Of all the sins that a man can commit, this is the greatest. A man can commit murder and be saved and go to heaven. A man can commit adultery and be saved and go to heaven. But dear friend, there will not be one person in heaven who does not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In fact, he goes so far to say in John's Gospel, the third chapter in the 18th verse, he says, he that believeth not on me is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Mark chapter 16, verse number 16, he that believeth not shall be damned. Revelation 21, 8, Jesus Christ is revealing to John the Revelator on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God those who will find their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is what he said. But the fearful and the unbelieving of all the sins that could be listed, the unbelieving shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Jesus Christ looking into the heart of these pious religious men said you don't believe and because you don't believe you're going to die in your sin secondly our scripture lends itself to the fact that men die in their sin verse number 21 and Jesus said unto them I go my way and you shall seek me (laughs) and you shall die in your sins Jesus told them he said there's going to come a time when you're going to seek me, there'll come a time when you want. I don't see anybody sleeping, so I put that aside. There'll be a time when you, when, when you want to find me, but you can't. Proverbs 27, verse number 1, the Bible says, Boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow. You cannot guarantee me that next Sunday you'll come back here, Brother Henry, preach and get saved. There's no guarantee in that. In fact, let me just say to you that the person who knows that they need to be saved, they're under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, and they're being drawn to be saved, and they're saying, no, not now, I'll wait, I'll put it off, I'll do it when I'm older, I'll get right later. You are the greatest gambler that has ever lived upon the face of this earth. You are literally gambling. Let me give you four things. First was sudden death. I read a statement some time ago. I tried to research it and find it. I find that it is a a statement that minimalizes what the Bible teaches. The statement was that 21 times in the Bible, people die suddenly. I find that there are literally thousands of people in the Bible who die suddenly. Do you know that in one night, 72,000 people died without warning? An angel went into Snacharab's army and wiped them out. Do you understand that the people of Sodom woke up, stretched themselves, thought today was going to be like any day, and judgment of God fell, and they all died? Do you understand that Herod, Ananias, Sapphira, People like Stephen, they all died unexpectedly. A rich man once looked at all the blessings that God had gave him. And he made this statement. He said, wow. I tell you what, soul. 
let's build bigger barns. Let's take in all that we've got. And then when we're old, we'll sit back and we'll relax and we'll say, soul, take my knees, eat, drink, and be merry. But the Bible says that night, the angel of the Lord beat upon his heart's door and said, thou fool, thou fool, you're not going to live to be an old man. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. I cannot tell you in the 40 plus years of ministry how many times I've stood over a casket and looked into the face of a young person who was going to live to be an old man. And yet it never happened. Eugene Christian wrote a book. I love this. Title of his book, How to Live to Be a Hundred. He was making all of the talk shows. I mean, he was on Donahue and all of them until he suddenly dropped dead at age 69. <laughs> True story. Hebrews 9, 27, the Word of God says, there is appointed unto man a time to die, and you do not know when that will be. Secondly, there is the possibility not only of sudden death, but there is the possibility of the withdrawal of the Holy Spirit of God convicting you of your sin. John 6, we quoted it a while ago. The Word of God says, No man can come to the Father, uh, the Son, unless the Father draws him. And without that convicting power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot be saved. Genesis 6, 3, the Word of God says, My spirit will not always strive with a man. I'll not always wrestle with a man. Isaiah 55, 6, the Word of God says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And the inference is there may be a time when he is not to be found. There may be a time when you call upon him and he will not be near. Don't gamble with the glorious invitation of the Almighty God to come and receive free grace. And then thirdly, a person that that says some other time preacher, a person that delays, a person that puts off the call of God. He's gambling with sudden death and he's, and he's gambling with the withdrawal of the Spirit of God. But thirdly, he's gambling with the fact that the rapture may come and he's not ready. I don't know about you, but I'm praying for it, amen? In fact, I pray, Lord, please come before I have to preach. <laughs> amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says when he comes, he's coming in the twinkling of an eye. In a moment. Oh, it's not a blink. It's a twinkle. Y'all know that the American government always spends money wisely, right? Back in the early 60s, you can research this online. There were certain scientists commissioned to find out how fast an eye twinkles. Not blinks. A twinkle is when, you know, that boy picks up the telephone and it's that girl on the other end of it. That's a twinkle, okay? And so scientists spent all this money and they, they, they divided a second out and they, did, they came up with a brand new number called the nanosecond. That's how fast your eye twinkles. If you were to write it up on a chalkboard, it would be a decimal point followed by 64 zeros and then a one. That's how quickly Jesus is coming. Are you ready? It won't even take a second 
and you'll step into his presence. Are you ready? A person, a person who says, no, preacher, some other time, some other time, some other time, preacher, some other time. He's gambling with sudden death. He's gambling. He's gambling with the withdrawal of the Spirit of God. He's gambling with the fact that the rapture is possibly coming. And here's the fourth thing, and you'll not hear much preaching on this, but it's in the Bible, and we're to preach all the counsel of the Word of God. There is that possibility of crossing God's deadline. I don't know where it's at for you. Here's some scripture, John chapter 12, verse 39. Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said, He hath blinded, God hath blinded their eyes, hath hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart and be converted, and I should heal them. Verse 39 says, They could not believe. Verse 40, the Bible says, God blinded their eyes. He hardened their heart. You said, my God's not that man. It's not God. How many times do you have to have the door shut in your face before you realize you're not welcome? How many times has he come and knocked upon your heart's door time after time after time beseeching you to open it but loving you, crying out to you, sending people into your life to draw you to him and you've said no, no, no. Proverbs 1.28, the Bible says, Then shall they call upon me, and I will not answer. They will seek me early, but they shall not find me. Three times in Romans chapter 1, the Word of God says God gave them up. There was a deadline for Noah's day. Noah and his family, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all went into the ark, and for seven days they sat in that ark with all of those animals. The door was so wide open, anybody could come in. Anybody that wanted to get on the boat, they could have got on the boat. But after seven days, your Bible says, God shut the door. Noah didn't. Sham, Ham, and Japheth didn't. God did. And when God shuts it, no man can open it. And the rain came, and the floods came, and the springs of the earth were opened up, and people were clawing and beating on that door. I believe that if Noah could open it, he would have to save people. But it was too late. There's a deadline. And they stepped over it. It came from Sodom and Gomorrah. A day when they could have had grace. And 2 Peter chapter 2 says that grace passed by. Why will a man die in his sin? From our scripture. Because of disbelief. You just don't believe that what I'm telling you is true. You don't believe that you could be saved. You don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. Secondly, because of delay. You know that you need to, but for some reason you're not. Thirdly, why will a man die in his sin? Who are these that Jesus Christ is speaking to? These are the most religious men of his day and time. They went to church every day. That would kill some of you. (laughs) Church again? They fasted. Twice every week. 
They tithe, even uh, anise and cumin. That would be our salt and pepper. They, when they put it out, they put a little bit over here. This is God. Don't touch that. In their mind, had you asked them, are you right with God? Yes, I'm right with God. I'm religious. I go to church. I'm there every time the doors are open. I'm right. Jesus looked at him and said, you're going to die in your sin. It's very possible for you to be deceived into thinking you're right when you're absolutely wrong. Jesus spoke to those. In Matthew's Gospel, the seventh chapter, and verse number 20 through 23. And he made this statement. He said, those who are truly saved, verse 20, you will know them by the fruits that they bear. Verse 21, are you listening? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Verse 22, one of the saddest verses of Scripture in all the Bible to me. Many. How many is that? Many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? The word literally means to teach or to preach. These were some preachers. Teachers. Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name we've cast out devils. I don't know if you've tried that lately. It takes a lot of faith. And, and then he goes, he says, and Lord, in thy name we've done many wonderful works. We sang in the choir. We, we, you know, we served on, uh, in the nursery. We were leaders. We've done, we, we gave to the poor. We've done many wonderful works. Verse number 20. Do you understand in verse number 22, these people, if you were to ask them, are you saved? They're, yes, I'm saved. How do you know you're saved? Look what I'm doing. Verse 23, Jesus said unto them, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. He didn't say, I knew you and you backfired. He didn't say, I knew you and you slipped. He said, there was never a time when you and I entered into a relationship and you were saved. I never knew you. 2 Timothy 3.13, the Bible says, In the last days, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Matthew 24.24, the Word of God says, For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets. They'll show great signs and wonders, insomuch if it were possible, they would deceive. The very elect of God. The epitaph that could be written on literally thousands of tombstones across America. I thought. I thought I was right with God. I thought my life was right. I thought. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. The Bible says examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith. Prove yourself, prove your own selves. 
know you know your your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates Second Peter 1.10, the Bible says, Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Diligence? To make sure that I'm saved? Why, it's such a simple thing. We take it so lightly. Someone, when we were 12 years old, pushed us out in the aisle. We didn't know what else to do, so we went forward. They gave us a card. We filled it out. We sat on a pew. Been there for 40 years. Are you saved? Yes. Why? I joined the church. Are you saved? Yes. I got baptized. Are you saved? Yes. I know I'm saved. How do you know you're saved? I'm working for the Lord. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Why in the world would any preacher come in and preach this to a church full of saved folks? You ever thought about that? There's a book out entitled The Grace Escape. It was written by Dr. Bailey Smith. In this book, there's a chapter called Wheats and Tares. In this chapter, Dr. Bailey Smith is speaking with Dr. Billy Graham, who was holding a crusade in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He said, Dr. Graham, why is it that every night during the crusade you have referenced lost church members? Dr. Graham answered two reasons. First, I was a lost church member. I was vice president of my youth group at church, but I was never really saved. Secondly, I remind people that they can be a lost church member. Excuse me. He says, I remind people that they can be a lost church member because the greatest mission field in the world is not the foreign mission field or the home mission field. It is the mission field of the membership roles of American churches. He went on to say, Billy Graham, I am convinced that one of America's greatest problems is lost church members. Our churches are filled with people who profess Christ, but do not possess Christ. They willingly claim his name but have never submitted to his person. Billy Graham said this, In our crusades in America, 70% of the people coming forward for salvation are lost church members. Bailey Smith, in this same book, went on to write concerning the starlight crusades that went across America at that time. He said, In our crusades... We have seen 57 pastors, 69 pastors' wives, 17 missionaries, 139 deacons, 171 deacons' wives, and a list of church members find new birth in Jesus Christ. Only way to know for sure you're saved? The Holy Spirit of God has to bear witness with yours. Romans chapter 8, 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 5. And if the Holy Spirit of God does not give witness that you are his child, dear friend, you will die in your sin. And there's nothing in the world that anyone can do that can help you in that condition. Would you bow with me, please?
Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.